Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always fright. Welcome to the greatest And welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the king of horror, Andy G, welcoming you back to this episode of the show, where tonight we eventually welcome back the Demonic Dean, and he's brought a film pick of the week with him, being Slime City from 1988, directed by Greg Lamberson. Uh, We're not talking about the sequel, Slime City Massacre, but if you want to check it out, it's available 2010. No, we're talking about the 1988 version. So I'm sure he'll be joining us at some point with great sound quality. But before that, we're joined by the bold and beautiful, the Gold Geeky. Who wants their balls crushed? What? What? Up, everybody. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to Talking Terror. That's how I start all my dates. Hey, who wants to stop on these balls? And they're like, oh, hell yeah. Boyfriend material right there. That's how you the end of No, you gotta wait till later in the date for it, bro. Because once once the balls are stepped upon and crushed, it makes a very uncomfortable conversation for at least the next like half hour. Not to mention how hard it is to walk around, let alone breathe, during that time period as well. <laughs> Just not meeting the right girls then, because I I love it. You know, personally, just give a good old stomp to the balls, and it kind of makes you feel awake, and you're ready to go. I mean, you might cry a little bit, but, I mean, you know, women like to see a guy cry, you know, so that's why it's good. Yeah, well, I am because the balls are stepped on. Again, I am without a doubt, like, you know, completely, completely the Sato and the masochist, you know, combo. I, uh, I do not – I like giving pain. I don't like taking pain. I, I take the absolute pleasure in giving that pain, but uh, do not want any any receptions of it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm just saying it's kind of, I mean, nothing wrong with a girl choking you every now and then kind of makes you feel alive. You know, just when you're about to pass out and she lets go and you're like, that was awesome. Now I know why David Carradine died. It all makes sense. <laughs> See, here, here's I, the know. problem. Okay. <laughs> he didn't feel too alive. In order for me to be in a situation where that would occur, right, the the girl in question would have to be, like, bigger and burlier than me, and that's completely hmm. not not like my type at all. I find no attraction in that. So, like, no, no tiny, you know, little thing is going to be able to, like, actually physically do that to me, nor am I, like, really desiring that whatsoever but like i said man you get under you get in my fucking hands i'm gonna choke you i'm gonna stick fingers in fucking holes that you didn't know you had i'm gonna fucking hurt you i mean that's fun that's fine i mean there's there's nothing criminal about that i mean as long as everybody's consensual i don't know i was with a girl that was below five feet tall and she had the fucking grip of fucking king kong fooey man i was like holy shit i was like the grip on you and she's like yep you gotta worry about the small ones i'm like fuck yeah yeah, Hong Kong <laughs> Fu, King Kong Fu, same thing. I mean, the you know, they're, they're both like monkeys. The, 
It's like a dog and a fucking gorilla mixed together. It probably is. There's probably <laughs> uh, some kind of weird combination out there. But as you can hear, we're also joined by the psychotic Simeon, the Prince by Moore's Day. Yes, get funky with a monkey. Hey there, Fight Fans and Go Geeks. Welcome to Talking Terror, the number one horror radio program in all of the interwebs. Every Wednesday night, we come in your ears live, with or without permission, with the latest horror news and movie reviews you will never hear anywhere else. You just remember to share the love of your favorite horror radio program by liking and subscribing to Talking Terror on both Facebook and Instagram. Bye-bye. And we already know what's up, because apparently you got to have a password for tonight's episode. <laughs> Vondersex. There you go. <laughs> Von Oak. 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 Vondersex. You get a t-shirt. It's fine. <laughs> and as you can hear, we're also joined by the returning, very astute, very educated, very opinionated demonic dean, everybody. Uh, yeah. Good evening, everyone. It's a... Uh... It's a lovely opportunity to return to the program in this year holiday season after my absence last week. Uh, how did last week's show go? Was it a good one? Sound quality it was sure good. was. <laughs> well, well, yeah, that was a <laughs> It was a whole two hours and 18 minutes of fun. Two hours and 18 minutes. Can you hear me now? Yeah. That's how long the movie was. That's how long Terrifier was. What was the, what was the movie last week? Terrifier 2. Terrifier 2. Oh, last week was Terrifier 2. Aha. Indeed. Sorry about that. I would have preferred to have waited for an episode in which you were on, uh, Dean, but unfortunately with the, uh, with the, you know, the, the monkey... Uh, coming up to his uh, to his his long vacation from our show, I uh, I wanted to make sure that we got that in while while he was still here. I just I just wanted the monkeys thoughts on that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, that oh, please, <laughs> by all means, torture the fuck out of no, me. No, no big deal at all. I just I remembered. Um, Why well, I don't that... torture nobody. <laughs> I was just thinking, how did I not know it was Terrifier two, and then I was reminded that I. Uh, I remember that I missed the last two weeks because of Thanksgiving week. So that, that's all. So, no, it's fine. I, mean, I hope yeah, you all had, had a great fun. time. We actually yeah, yeah, welcome did. two hours in fucking two, yes. two hours. Yes, in, it was. Ter- sorry, ter- Terrifier Two is, is two two hours and eighteen minutes. Are you fucking kidding me? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> that's what we said. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shocked. We talked like, about it. Really fucking God. shocked. It was certainly it was certainly two hours and eighteen minutes. Um, it certainly was. <laughs> but yeah, uh, you know, the monkey's visa is running out, so I have to go renew it. So he's going to end up taking a little bit of vacation soon. So uh, I have to go to this country that I can't pronounce because I have to renew his visa. We have to renew our wedding vows. It's a whole long thing, you know. It's just Bratislava. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's where we met. All right? We met in Bratislava. I, I saw you in that guy's basement, and you just look so adorable in that cage. So and... You go to Bratislava. <laughs> there, the girls do anything you want. So, you know, I, I tickled course, under his chin, and then he jumped up in my arms, and next thing you know, he came to the States. It's been a making me sound like a fucking mogwai. <laughs> 
That's how I found you, all right? I mean, you know, you fucking killed the mogwai and you took its place in the cage. Then you started fucking humming and shit like that. And the guy was like, don't give it beer or cigarettes. That's what you did. And I immediately gave you beer and cigarettes, and then you fucking turned into this person, this psychopath that we put on the show because he had opinions. You didn't turn into a gremlin. You just turned into a drunken monkey. And so the legend was born. (laughs) and it's been quite the ride ever since but yes yeah uh boy oh boy yeah terrifier two (laughs) two hours and 18 minutes it was it was it was you missed out on it uh dean whether that's good or bad i don't know um (laughs) but uh either way we we covered it we discussed it uh i'm sure you have some hard news to talk about but ghoul and monkey do you have anything you want to bring up before we get in the hard news i ain't got shit Damn. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, I know that. Uh, what about, what, what, what about you, Gould? Oh, well, no, I was going to say, I know that you know that, uh, that 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 the king had mentioned the whole thing with the uh, with with the trailers uh, for Kong and Godzilla, as well as uh, the Boys season four. Um, I know we also had the GTA six trailer drop, which is bringing us back yeah. to Vice City and looks absolutely fucking phenomenal. Um, stunning. <laughs> stunning. I mean, some yeah. of the fucking, like, there are some comparison pictures that, like, just show what, like, you know, GTA Vice City looked like back in, like, 2002, whatever year that, that mm-hmm. game came out. And then it's, like, it's literally, like, the same shot where it's, like, you know, just you can see the buildings and the beach. But, like, now you see it and it's, like, hyper-detailed buildings and, like, fucking, like, actual beachgoers, like, all over the beach, complete with, like, fucking, you know, their umbrellas and their towels and their fucking beach chairs and their fucking kids running out into the water and shit. And then, like, the dean had shared with that, that one video showing how, like, you know, they're really nailing Florida culture in general. And, I mean, that, again, doesn't surprise me because Rockstar is fucking Rockstar. And they're going to they take their sweet yeah, ass but time with they... this shit and they, they build it the way they want to. Yeah, but, you know, the thing with that particular clip is that it looks like they truly incorporated, you know, some of those crazy fucking Florida videos that are out there um, and incorporated some of that in shit, shit into the fucking game. It's fucking fantastic. <laughs> well, I mean, Grand Theft Auto has always been a commentary on society in general uh, throughout various time periods, you know, based on whichever game that you're playing. Um so, so to take it to the next step and, like, literally be using, you know, pretty much what we see in our, our, our general reels these days is not a surprise. Like I said, I mean, it's Rockstar doing what Rockstar does. They're like the South, they're like fucking Trey and Matt of the video game, you know, world in which it's all just taking whatever sure. topical content is going on and just feeding it feeding it into, you know, into whatever game, you know, the thing is, though, is that it takes however many years to, to build said game, like, I wouldn't be surprised if we find, like, a Tiger King type of character within this game somewhere, because they're going to use all kinds of pop culture references and sarcasm and shit like that throughout the entire game, I just hope that, you know, again, it, it's from the trailer, it's looking like it might have a little bit more of a streamlined story, and I would appreciate that. I, I did find that the Grand Theft Auto V single-player experience bouncing between the three characters, like, even though it was kind of cool on the fly, it did lead me to play the game less, I feel. Like, I think if I had a more direct narrative, I might have played that single-player experience more instead of kind of going to the online, and then that becomes a fucking Wild West shit show because 
you know, people are fucking dive bombing <laughs> you with fucking airplanes and fucking, you know, you're just trying to live your, your best crime life and fucking do shit to make money and some asshole, like, you know, some little kid comes running at you fucking yelling N-bombs and, you know, shoots your ass dead in the street or runs you, or runs you the fuck over, you know? Yeah. That's life. It's life in the fast lane. So, I mean, besides we, before we get into the news, I guess the one thing I do want to ask Monkey, <laughs> did you get a chance to see Minus One? No, because I am poor. But I am very excited, like, to just report on what you're about to t- chime in, that I have lots of friends who I d- definitely don't consider kaiju fans in any way, shape, or form. And they all went to go see it. And they were all pleasantly surprised and loved what they saw. So I'm very excited that this movie is grabbing people's attention and getting people into theaters to see a, a Toho Godzilla film in theaters. So that, that's very, very cool. Yeah, I just, yeah, I, gotta, I, just I, I can't wait for you to see it because it's like, you know, you're, you are one of the bigger, you know, G fans that I know of. And, you know, you're also always, always discerning of the film. So you're not going to sing the praises of it if it, if it isn't worth it. I'm, I'm really excited to hear your points on it. Yeah, I know that, uh, you know, the movie was like third in the box office this past week, which, you know, when you think about it, it's a Japanese-made freaking movie. It's a Godzilla film that's not done by Legendary. You know, it's not some big freaking spilled all over the television screen, Congress Godzilla type of American blockbuster. This is just a traditional style Toho Godzilla film. That made third, Toho. you know, and that's... Th- that's that's third behind. I think what was it? It was Beyonce. It was it was uh, the 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 Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, whichever whatever the latest uh, Hunger Games movie is, and then this. So I, yeah, listen, yeah. So that's that's a big thing. But yeah, they extended it. They extended its theatrical run up until I think the 13th or the 14th. Now I'm going again on Sunday. Uh, I figure I'm going to take advantage of it, see it one more time, and I'm going to actually go up to uh, to New Brunswick and see this thing on IMAX. Like, I want to see this on on the big format, the big screen. I want it to be, like, next level larger than life this time around because the first time was great in the Freehold Theater. You know, it was that uh, laser by AMC. But I just, I just figure it can only it can only be more impressive on that, that bigger fucking screen, man. So... But yeah, I highly. If I have to, if I send you a couple bucks, will you go to the movie to go see it, you poor bastard? Do I have to come over to your fucking house and like you know chauffeur you over there to the fucking movie theater too? <laughs> it's just things are very very tight right now because we're uh, planning on going to go visit family up in Jersey for Christmas Eve, and then we have to go get Ian for the holidays right after that. So it's going to be a lot of driving and all that kind of stuff. So, you know. <laughs> Listen, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the full fucking VIP treatment, okay? I'll even show up in one of those fucking, like, Chinese oh. carts and run you to the fucking movie theater, okay? <laughs> Complete with the fucking, with the little straw hat on and everything, you know? <laughs> Damn, Wait, look at this. 
that's the treatment right there. See, I didn't even get that when he visited for me after I got out of the hospital. So fucking take that rum with it, man. Get the fucking carriage, get the fucking hat, you know, throw like, you know, soy sauce packets at his head if he's going too slow. That's the rule of the Manchester. I draw the line at racial stereotype speaking. I'm not going to do that. You said you're going to wear the straw hat. Don't worry, don't worry. I'm going to do it. I'm just not going to say I'm going to do it on the air because otherwise I'd get it. Oh, wait, we're still on the air. My bad. Um, but I, I, you know what? Oh, we haven't taken off yet. I have to say. You know, I uh, obviously, like, I do still enjoy the legendary films for what they are. But I also even went back and started watching Shin Godzilla again. And, uh, and yeah, you know, like, I know Shin Godzilla is, it's, 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 it's not that it's not entertaining. It's just not what this new movie is. And, like, you'll get that. Shin Godzilla is a, it's, like, sarcastic when you, like, I didn't realize that kind of the first time around. It's very sarcastic in how it looks at, like, Japanese bureaucracy and how much red tape. Yes, exactly. And how much shit you're doing throughout the whole movie. It's, like, boardroom after boardroom after boardroom. This guy's got to sign this. This guy's got to sign that. Meanwhile, there's a fucking giant monster, like, snaking its way through the fucking streets. My problem with that movie still is just a, overdoing of the CGI version of the monster and those fucking yeah. googly eyes, bro. I can't stand the googly yeah. eyes. They, they just fucking bother the fuck out of me. He looks, he looks so corny. It looks so fucking silly, man. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, you know, and then they left us with that hook at the end, you know, of oh, where can this possibly go? You know, the not-so-subtle-subtle ending that they threw out there, you know. But then they, you know, I don't know if they're going to pick that up again or just let it be. You know, (laughs) it kind of confused a lot of fans. (laughs) I I think with this, yeah, well, I think with this, they, well, remember, too, they did two more Shin reboots. Uh, They did Shin Kamen Rider and, and one of the other ones. Um, I think it was 2022 and 2023. Uh, but yeah, I think between that, between the three Netflix movies, which they do consider part of like this latest era, um, which I actually learned, you know, I never realized that the whole thing with the eras is just whoever the fuck the emperor is in Japan at the time. Um, that's all that is. I always, thought it to, I, always, I always thought it had to do with, like, one of the Japanese creators or some shit like that. Like, oh, this is the first guy that directed it or whatever. No, no it's just whoever the fucking emperor is. I didn't even realize Japan still had a fucking emperor until when I, when I read up on this shit. Um, but, yeah, those three <laughs> animated features, which I, which I did say to you, you know, too, is check them out if you got the time, man. It's, it's worth it if you watch all three. It's an entertaining view. Um, but you do have to watch all three of them to, to really appreciate the entire story. Uh, but yeah, I think with, right. the success of this late, with the success of this latest one, there's just there's no way this doesn't take off into something else. You know, they, they, they like money. <laughs> totally. oh, oh, holy shit! You finally seen shit theaters. <laughs> Thank you, legendary, for getting Americans to watch our shit. It made yeah, money, well, so we can make eighteen more. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll see. You know, and again, with the with the new one, which I guess we can lead into our news. You know, with the new Congress Godzilla or whatever Kong X Godzilla, you know, the the new empire or whatever it is, that <laughs> is obviously the very Americanized. Like, hey, it's like the MCU. 
you know, it's like the end game to it, where it's like, all right, you know what, we started with these two, these two creatures, these few heroes or whatever it is. Well, now we're going to fucking take it into an entire journey to the center of the earth. We've got fucking hollow earth theory. We've got all kinds of crazy shit going on with now an entire fucking empire of fucking planet of the apes, except they're all giant fucking ape creatures. Like, uh, yeah, something. Just, just stretching. <laughs> Don't give a shit. It's just, again, it's another uh, take on King Kong fucking living his goddamn life, just being like, you know what? Life is pretty fucking good. And they're like, hey, King Kong, shit's going down. You're, uh, you got to get uh, to work. And he's like, fuck, man. Five across the face. And now he's got a fucking gold bracelet, and so now he just shows it off everywhere. He's like, look at me with my fucking gold bracelet on. Five across uh, the face for everybody. gauntlet. And they went and pulled, like, a, a Red Hulk thing. Oh, we got Red Hulk no, yeah. Kong now. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. oh, did you really just go Red Hulk on us? Oh, Yeah, fuck. they did that. <laughs> and then, of course, it's like, yeah, but he can't do it alone. And then, fucking, there comes Godzilla <laughs> popping out of the fucking ice and shit like that. And like, no, look, he's pink. Oh, he's got a new color scheme. <laughs> well, there there are theories for that. There are theories running around right now that maybe that's not Godzilla. That that might mm, be yeah. another G, and that, you know, somebody's bouncing it around that you'll see by, like, you know, probably like a third or two-thirds of the way through the movie, RG comes up because, you know, he wasn't pink last time we saw him. He's fucking glowing bright blue and fucking all that shit. Yeah, it could be a different one. I mean, I hope it's the Godzilla from minus one with those dummy-ass thick thighs. And I was like, holy shit. Look at them fucking <laughs> things, man. He's looking thick like a cake. I, I saw the figure that they were selling one. I was like, look at them thighs, man. Like, Thunder thought Godzilla. Like, holy shit. He's fucking massive. He's fucking cool. I laughed man. about you it like a day. I know that one screenshot going around where the, you can see him, like, fucking swimming behind the boat. Uh, and, yeah, yeah, man, there's just, there's just so many cool fucking sequences like that. Like, when you see it in action, you're like, holy fuck, man. Like, they, yeah, again, I, I can't say enough good things about Minus One. I just, I'm, I don't want to say anything to spoil it, so. No. Just no, go on. Move, move on, fellas. We move on, indeed. Uh, so, with the Dean being back, that means we could talk about some horror news. I get a break. So, Dean, what are we talking about with horror news? Oh, there are just so many things going on, and I'm so happy that I'm here to provide you uh, a break. Uh, from That's right. Thank you. It's back. To talk about horror news. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dean is back. Let's hit it. Uh, to, to kick things off this evening, it's been a little while since We've had any information about the upcoming uh, FX uh, on Hulu alien TV series coming from Fetty Alvarez. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, I mean coming from Noah Hawley. We know that Fetty Alvarez has been working on a new alien film that's going to be hitting the theaters next summer, uh, August 16, 2024. So just a few details. Some of these details I've said before. Uh, but there's some new information here, so I'm just going to run them down real quick, uh, and then we can, uh, excuse me, move on. So first, we know that unlike everything else in the franchise, uh, this Alien TV series is going to be set on Earth, 
and it also is going to be taking place decades before the events of the first film, uh, putting this around the late uh, 2090s, uh, where it will land somewhere between the events of Prometheus and Covenant. Um, they say that since alien, uh, alien world stuff has always taken place in some form or another in a ship, uh, this was an interesting opportunity to open up the world a bit. Uh, there is going to be no Ripley character. Um, there will be references to the Wayland yutani Corporation, uh, although this show will be set in the territory of a different corporation, uh, and there will be different uh, competing companies uh, involved in the goings-ons. Uh, the scripts uh, are all done. Uh, filming had already started in Thailand, uh, but filming was shut down uh, because of the different strikes uh, that have been going on, and they are estimated uh, to, to restart shooting in February of 2024 uh, with the goal to have this thing airing in 2025. And it also has been announced that uh, Timothy Oliphant, Mr. Let's Make Some Fucky Fucky himself, uh, will be uh, having <laughs> one of the starring roles uh, in this series. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Anything with Mr. Fucky Fucky is good. So, <laughs> all right. So, what's next? What are you talking about? Everybody loves Jean Claude Van Damme. Raymond? And oh. Those of you that no. love Jean Claude Van Damme <laughs> and also like to play with. Yes. For those of you that love Jean Claude Van Damme but also like to play with toys. Uh, there is going to be a JCVD action figure coming from Diamond Select Toys in 2024. Uh, yeah. It's uncertain, uncertain when it will be But <laughs> they say that it is estimated to ship sometime in the second quarter of 2024, uh, April, May, or June. Uh, this action figure stands... Uh, six, uh, sorry, seven inches tall, but will also feature 16 <laughs> points of articulation. <laughs> yeah, 16 <laughs> points of articulation to represent all of Jean-Claude Van Damme's signature physical movements. There will also be other interchangeable parts and accessories, and you can pre-order this toy right now at the Diamond Select Toys website uh, for the low, low price of twenty nine ninety nine. Oh, you know, everybody's going to have that shit in a split. <laughs> How do you not? She only pose. Yeah, like, why would you uh, not? No. no, fuck that, dude. I'm going to have him lay it on his fucking belly with a tree and a coconut falling down on him. Yeah. Or lay yeah, it on his back that. at me. That's, that's the real way yeah, to do that. it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's rough him up as a fucking Russian, you know, from fucking no retreat, no surrender. <laughs> no retreat, no surrender. There's very erotic well, way, scenes in that movie. Yes. <laughs> Oddly erotic. Quite. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Sexy times. Dude and his pal. Yeah, very sexy <laughs> ice cream eating. So, uh, every good meeting starts with uh, ice cream and a pal. He's blowing off Kelly to fucking hang out with his black buddy and a fucking ghost of Bruce Lee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a black buddy who, oh, look, a black buddy who fits, nice. 
who sits on his lap while he's doing uh, upside-down reverse push-ups between two benches uh, with knee-high socks while licking an ice cream cone vigorously. <laughs> yeah, man, he's so And in the group chat, in the group chat, you can now see the, the Jean-Claude figure that is now available for pre-order. But they... But yeah, this see, is, you know, when they, when they were awesome. doing that scene, they made sure to say no homo, so it was all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you say that, everything is not gay. doesn't matter if you're sharing an ice cream cone or a hot dog. If you both say no homo at the same time, not gay. I know that yeah, from experience. Talking the mouth. Because you go on cheese steaks. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. That's what we used to do. But all right, uh, Dean, what else are we talking about? What's next? Uh, I'm going to show you, but just in case uh, all of you are not fully remembering exactly what I am talking about, I just included a link to a 15-second sequence to exactly what I was referring. Uh, it's oh, quite yes, a scene. Yes. Um, so <laughs> next thing that I want to talk about. Uh, Stand on your own. Adam Marcus. No retreat, there's no surrender. <laughs> Un- unreal fucking legendary man legendary uh god man like took that shit so goddamn fucking seriously uh all those years ago it was like it was like the fucking truth man uh anyway uh adam marcus y'all know it's fucking true maybe not the case. Fuck, yeah, no, it's true. But, um yeah anyway uh the, adam adam marcus uh, was the director of Jason Goes to Hell. And uh, mm. lately, he's been working on a documentary uh, that is tentatively titled Hearts of Darkness, making of The Final Friday, and is almost done. Uh, he recently, though, has confirmed to Bloody Disgusting uh, that he is planning to bring back the character of Creighton Duke for another film. And although... Uh, he has no rights to use the name of the character. Apparently, the character will have to have some kind of altered name, uh, but there's more Creighton Duke story to be told. Uh, it's also been said that since uh, Creighton Duke's back was... <laughs> since his back was snapped uh, by Jason in the film... Mm-hmm. Uh, he, the plan is that he's going to have a fully mechanical back brace with all kinds of tricks up its sleeve, uh, and uh, they want the style of film to be in, you know, something that would feel comfortable if it was coming out in the mid-1970s. Uh, he says, think specifically... Um, no, no, for real, for real. Uh, Hmm. Uh, yeah, but something, is it going to take um, place in the time that the movie took place, which would be what, like the? Well, again, depending on depending on what timeline we're in in fucking Friday the Thirteenth universe, wasn't it figured out like the the final the, that that Jason goes to hell is like somewhere in the late nineties, even though it came out in like ninety three. Yeah, it came out in ninety three, but it'll take place in like the early two thousands, according to like mm-hmm. Friday Thirteenth chronology. So, yeah, it's all over the fucking place. You get a headache if you try to go over the chronology of it. So, I know. <laughs> it could be it's, in, in it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's quite It's quite silly. Um, but he says uh, to silly, think I said. something like something like Creighton Duke 
uh, versus the Evil Dead or something that looks like uh, Fulci's zombie stylistically. And he also says uh, that Steve Williams, who played Creighton Duke, will reprise the role and is also currently developing this project with Marcus. Uh, so if you have been sitting around and thinking about all of the characters that have come and gone uh, throughout the history of the franchise, and you've been thinking, man, I really wish they would do something more with Creighton Duke. It looks like your dreams are finally going to come true. I mean, he's only 74, so you can do it. Sure. Yeah, yeah I mean, he's going to be physically limited with a with a special mechanical back brace, so... Yeah, and it also brings up how are they going to talk about Jason, you know, since that's another property. So it's just going to be like, oh, that guy that wore a hockey mask, uh, Mason, Mason Dorby's. That was the him. The face mask killer. He was there, yeah. and I was going to kill yeah. him because I love hot dogs going through donuts because that's what it's like when you meet a serial killer like Jason that was the greatest line in that whole fucking movie whenever I think about Jason Voorhees I think about a little girl in a little pink dress sticking a hot dog through a donut I'm like holy shit that's it the movie's over you can't fucking get any better than that line except we're going to get really gay we're going to have a shaving sequence (laughs) yeah thanks thanks, Adam Marcus like not only did you make like the worst fucking Friday the 13th movie you know because it's definitely on the fucking lower end of that fucking spectrum you're going to now also make a continuation of a character that's probably going to be fucking just as bad if not worse good job (laughs) good job I had to change my identity after I left the the campgrounds that I can't talk about. I used to go by a different name, and now I go by Creighton Puke. That's my name. Oh, okay. I used to cool. hang out cool. in Gemstone Lake, but now I can't hang out in <laughs> Gemstone Lake no more. So I'm over here now. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Gemstone Lake. Yeah, see, I used to go over to the Camp Emerald Lake, and I used to look for gems. But then Mason Dorby's, he was a real problem, wearing that mask and killing people. Not campus, just people. So I'm back with my spine all broke, ready to kill that thing I can't talk about. You mean Jason? Can't talk about that. No, he's talking about Mason. Uh, oh, yeah, that's not copyright infringement. <laughs> Go right ahead. going after Mason in in a wheelchair. <laughs> where, where are you going? Where are you going? I'm too old for this shit. That's a different movie. Can't say that one. Oh, different lawsuit. It'll be, it'll be like no, that. Here comes Danny Glover. Days of Thunder. You know what I mean? Where you got the two of them in the wheelchair racing each other in the hallway. <laughs> yep. There you go. That'd be perfect. So, I mean, I've I, I rewatched Jason Goes to Hell recently, like as a couple weeks ago, and it still sucks. <laughs> it's like, I just was hoping that it wasn't, but yeah, no, whole fucking yep, movie. It was still fucking weird, weird, man. I saw, yeah. saw that one mm-hmm. in the theater, actually, and, uh, you know, walking in, uh, you know, not really knowing much of anything having to do with the plot, just like, oh, it's a Friday the 13th movie, you know, like. Jason's going to fucking kill some fucking kids around the fucking lake. And, 
you know, what a fucking weird experience that was. Yeah, especially when he disappears right in the opening of the movie, and then you never fucking see him again until the end. Wait, wait, what? No, oh, okay. So Jason, it's Jason, and he can he can talk when he goes into people's bodies. That that's fine. We're just gonna go along with that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you would think, right, with all them years of killing them naked bitches. He finally gets in, like, a human body that has a dick. You would think the first thing Jason want to do is fuck. Well, I mean, he did want to yep. get a guy naked and shave off his mustache. So he probably was thinking about some kind of sex. Because that was awful sexy. Like, you know, where he's just like, hey, listen, I'm going to strap down this overweight guy in fucking leather and shave off his mustache. And then I'm going to puke up this penis-looking thing into his mouth. Yep, that's not sexy. And I guess what? Theoretically, didn't he end up hooking up with, like, his stepsister or his half-sister or whatever it is in the end? It was right up for fucking Wahoo. Oh, yeah, Erin Gray, his uh, sister that we just found out about in the final Friday movie, <laughs> where all of a sudden he's got a sister. Yep, yep, he uh, he warmed his way right up her cooch. Then, uh, you know, I, it, it I gave you, birth to Jason. I would have wormed my way up Erin Gray's cooch, too, man, back in the day. Oh, back in the day, absolutely. I'll go to the Buck, I'll go to the Buck Rogers days, man. Yeah, I mean, I always I, I always used to get her confused with Linda Carter back in the day. I was like, ah, Maybe a little more. Yeah, Wonder Woman, Buck Rogers, but yeah, it's, it's good. So, all right, Dean, moving on. What else are we talking about? Uh, let's see. Uh, Eli Roth recently, uh, as we know, has brought. Uh, Thanksgiving, uh, finally to the to the big screen, to the table, and what's that? To the table. He's finally brought Thanksgiving well, yes, to, to the, the table. Come on, if you're gonna do it, this do is it with true, the right to, the, to the table, to the table. <laughs> uh, to the walls. Now, uh, while it hasn't necessarily set uh, the box office on fire with a. $30 million global take on a $15 million budget. It has doubled its money. Uh, but Eli Roth has confirmed that uh, an official sequel is a go, and he is returning to direct uh, this Thanksgiving sequel for a 2025 release. So there will be more Thanksgiving. And in addition to that, uh, while sitting down to talk all things Thanksgiving uh, with Cinepop, uh, Eli Roth said that he also uh, has plans to revive both his Cabin Fever uh, and Hustle uh, franchises. He says that uh, in regards to Hustle, there's definitely more to do with that. Uh, same thing with Cabin Fever, uh, and that and he cake. has ideas on how to, to bring them both <laughs> back. Uh, and he says if these were to come back, Cabin Fever and Hustle, uh, he will be the only one uh, to direct them. Yeah, because uh, he saw what happened in 2016 when he tried to keep the Cabin Fever property and gave it to Travis uh, Zwalny to direct. That fucking movie was atrocious. Like, I don't know if you guys saw it, but oh, it was clearly a I'm holding onto the property and we're just going to make a shot for shot like Psycho. Oh, oh. nope. Yeah, except so. it had none of the humor. 
It had none of the sarcasm. Yeah. And it had none of, like, yeah, all, all of the things that make that original Cabin Fever, like, memorable were, like, completely gone. Like, it, it, it was just such a bad, poor imitation of, of what that, that film was, you know. I saw, I saw Thanksgiving over the weekend, and uh, I, I agree with the king. It was a very enjoyable experience. Uh, you know, the, the movie itself was fun. It's like a, a straight-up 80s, 90s slasher. You know, it's got all the right, tr- you know, to, to use all the fucking euphemisms, it's got all the right trimmings, okay? All, all the fucking <laughs> fictions are there. He sets the table very well and, uh, and, and delivers, you know? I mean, I, I just like those films of, of those times. There's a lot of obvious shit going on, like, in the movie. Um, but it, mm-hmm. it is what it is, and it doesn't shy away. You know, there's, there's some really good gore sequences in it. And, uh, yeah, I definitely suggest that if you're a horror fan, you know, get, get out there and go fucking see Thanksgiving, man. You know, my, my experience was slightly tarnished. Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe tarnished, maybe enhanced, I, whatever. To, to my left in the theater, you know, I had, like, two girls who could not have been any more than 16 years old. Um, so, you know, I guess the... the the parents buying tickets for their kids to go see these movies is still alive and well because, like, they were in there with no parental, parental units. And, like, right behind me were, like, three kids. I never looked to see if they were boys or girls. Could have been either these days. You never know. But, like, they couldn't have been any older than, like, 13 or 14. And, again, like, you know, no parental units to be found. At one point, like, I guess the people in the back, there was, like, an, an older group, like, back there. Somebody must have said something because one of the, like, movie theater people, like, came in and, like, talked to them. But, like, at no point did they remove them because, you know, they were just <laughs> – they, they were typical teenagers, you know. They're being loud. They're, they're being silly. You know, one kid's, like, farting. You know, or like, well, basically it was one of those where, like, the one kid said to the other, did you just fart? And then, you know, like, they're, they're giggling <laughs> and laughing about it. And then it's like, you know, then all of a sudden they're doing the mouth fart thing. You know what I mean? And it's like, eh, whatever. But on the same time, too, why I say enhanced, as a jaded fucking horror movie person, obviously jump scares aren't going to do anything to me. You know, seeing <clears throat> horrible, gory sequences just make me fucking laugh. And, you know, yep. sure as shit, like, when those moments were coming up, you know, fucking jokes or not, those fucking little three shits behind me were fucking cringing in their fucking seats, screaming and crying. And, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the fucking girls to my left, I watched, like, you know, I could physically see them in my peripheral vision, like, fucking jump and cover their fucking faces when, you know, certain sequences were coming up. So, you know, and I'm busy fucking howling like a fucking maniac at it because, you know, like, I've seen a fucking Serbian film, you know what I mean? Like, kids, you don't know nothing yet. <laughs> There's nothing that surprises us, yeah. I mean, I, I had a couple of people in my theater that literally were, like, audibly going, ah, like, when the fucking gore happened. I'm like, that's great. <laughs> this is awesome, you know. And, of course, when the end credit sequence happened and he gets the fucking song, I'm such a fan of that song that I literally stood up and started singing along to it, and everybody's around me looking at me like I'm an asshole. I was like, I don't give a shit. Movie's over. I'm going to fucking scream this song because I fucking love this song. I was like, when am I ever going to hear this song again in a fucking movie? Shut up. (laughs) I'm taking my poster and going home. But it it was great. Yeah, Thanksgiving's great. Um, So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And he's taking his fucking time. 2025 is perfect. If he had said, oh, see you next year, 2024, like, nope, too soon. 
way too soon to make a good story, way too soon to get good gore. Give it till 2025. I think that's perfect. We've seen what happens when you rush a fucking sequel. You get Halloween 5 and you get Scream 2. I know it doubled its money, so, I mean, for, for them, that's a, that's a success, you know? And, oh, absolutely. You know, I think, I think this is one that when it gets on the home market, it's going to continue to just, you know, to, to gain more traction, you know? So whether it's through streaming, whether mm-hmm. it's people buying it, I think, uh, you know, the film's going to – I think the sequel's going to do more than the original. So, you know, you just got to do it right. I have a feeling you're right. Well, yeah, and plus you got to amp it up. You got to get more gore. You got to get, like, I mean, there's plenty of ways they could go about the sequel. I'm just excited for it, um, you know. And, and if he wants to make more Cabin Fever movies, good. I mean, it's just I don't think he's the same Eli Roth that he was back in 2002. So I'm not sure he could probably do that again. But then again, I don't know. Because like, he, he had a lot of fun in Thanksgiving with the jokes and the humor that were aimed at us, like Ghoul and I were talking through text. Like, that's a movie for us. Like, Thanksgiving is a movie for us fucking jaded horror slasher fans, where we're going to be laughing at the gore, and we're going to be laughing at the stupid jokes. <laughs> and he knew who his audience was. So the fact that it made as much money as it did, I'm super impressed. Because, it, you know, it could have easily fucking tanked hard. But it made its money back and then some. So I'm looking forward to the next one. But, all right, Dean, what else are we talking about? Let's see. What's next? Um, Chucky, season three, uh, is back in production. It seems that they were able to get the first half of the season done before the strikes. Uh, Now it had to be split, and they're going to be doing the second half of the season. The full cast is on set to complete the rest of season three. Uh, Now, we know that season one took place in New Jersey and that season two was set in a Catholic boarding school. uh, And it's been learned that the third season uh, is going to be set in Washington, D.C., with Chucky uh, involved with the first family inside the White House. Well, it already started. They already they already aired the first half, season three. Um, oh, they okay. aired the so first four episodes. Red. So they have to do yeah. they have to do the um, second. They half. have to do the uh, the second half. So I my apologies for misreading the information. I didn't realize that the first half of the third season uh, had been aired. I yeah, apologize. Yeah, they, they aired the first four. So I think it's going to be eight episodes because every season's been eight episodes. So they aired the first four. The strike happened, so they had to take a break and then uh, go back to it. Um, so, yes, they are in the White House for uh, season three. Uh, all the characters that have survived are, are still there. Uh, but this show is fucking insane. So <laughs> it's so hard to follow with everything that happens. But, you know, it's, it's a far cry from Child's Play 1, 2, and 3. It's really embracing the Bride, Seed, and the other sequels that came out afterwards. Um, Multiple Chucky's, Chucky Prime, you know, the first Chucky. Like, there's just so much shit going on. <laughs> it's hard to follow, but it's still enjoyable. Like, they, you know, I'm glad that Brad Dorf is still having fun with it and enjoying voicing the character. Um, he got to kill Liv Morgan last season, you know, who apparently is a big uh, uh, Chucky fan. So, well, you know, don't, it's a lot. don't ruin it, man. Don't ruin it. Uh, you I know, know, again, they, I know. Uh, 
I trailed off the first season, but, you know, I, I, I have to dive back in. I mean, it's made it three seasons now, so there's got to be something worth watching there. I mean, yeah, I hope so. I mean, I enjoy it. It's just because it's so silly and over the top. It's absolutely not scary whatsoever. Like, you're not – I don't think anybody could be scared of, of chucking this series because they know what they're aiming for is comedy. Um, and Jennifer Tilly just eating up the fucking scenery because she's intentionally doing so. Um, and callbacks to Glenn and Glenda from Seed of Chucky and having that kind of stuff happening. Uh, so, yeah, but Devin Sawa is amazing because he shows up every season as a different character. And I just love the fact that they keep giving him work. They're just like, right. you know what? Devin Sawa fucking rules. Let's have him as the president in season three. <laughs> and it works because the guy's great. But so, yes, uh, season three, the second half will be coming soon. Um, yeah, check it out if you guys haven't. But all right, uh, Dean, what else are we talking about? All right. Uh, I feel like it's been ages uh, since I brought up that there was going to be an adaptation of the Stephen King as uh, Richard Bachman story, The Long Walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have, have some updates on that because it's been a long time, I feel like. Uh, but yeah. uh, apparently uh, Francis Lawrence, uh, the director of Constantine, I Am Legend, and some of the Hunger Games films is in final uh, talks to direct, and it might have even officially been confirmed since I wrote these notes down. Uh, this project was once in Frank Darabont's hands, uh, and also Andre Overdahl, who says... George Romero. Out, who's, yep. Um, Overdahl says getting, like, passing and missing out on this is one of his life's uh, biggest regrets. Uh, the screenplay is currently uh, being written. And uh, just a reminder uh, that the basic premise of this story is that uh, there's an annual event uh, where 100 teenagers need to walk for, uh, you know, four miles an hour or under um, – and they, uh, the last one uh, left alive uh, gets the prize of anything that they want for the rest of their life. Um, so uh, this is one that I actually, what the fuck is that? Oh, my God. Ghoul, is that some of your what? weird fucking porn back there? What the fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> I figured that was from Monkey. Maybe. Uh, I mean, nope. maybe, maybe it was. Uh, nope. The Long Walk is one uh, that I actually have not yet read, although I have a copy of it sitting right here on my on my nightstand, um, and I do plan on reading it sometime in the near future. Uh, but, you know, this one has been bouncing around forever, and it sounds like there's finally some headway in, in getting this one made. Mm-hmm. One, one of the best Richard Bachman short stories. Um, aside from Fury, I'm a huge fan of that one, but again, that's another one that's been almost made numerous times, but the long walk, it, it's brutal, you know, from start to finish that short story, and to see you kind of get that kind of treatment would be great, because it is kind of similar to Hunger Games, where it's like there could be only one from, you know, the winner that gets whatever he wants for the rest of his life, or she wants the rest of her life, and, you know, so, really good, really tense. So, yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, you know, you better make it good if you win the long walk and you, at the end. I mean, I wouldn't, you know, be like, ah, oh, I want ice cream. It's like, well, no, money, money. <laughs> you know? 
Oh, no, you fucked it up. So that's why there's a long walk part two. But either way, I'm looking forward to it. Because, I mean, this has been going on like the Dean and Seth for a number of number of years, even back when Romero, after Day of the Dead, was planning on making uh, the long walk into an adaptation. So exciting stuff. I'm, I'm still waiting for the jaunt to be made. I know that uh, Andy Muschietti, who did It in Chapter 2, is going to make the jaunt uh, Stephen King short story into a, a, a film. Still waiting on that, so we'll see. But, uh, all right, Dean, what else are we talking about? Uh, I will say that even with all of the drama going on surrounding uh, Screen 7, uh, it is forging ahead uh, with, um, uh, what's his name, uh, Christopher Landon uh, directing. Uh we know that uh, it has hemorrhaged stars with Melissa Barrera being fired. And then it was said that uh, Jenna Ortega quit in solidarity, but then Jenna Ortega uh, actually blamed scheduling conflicts with her filming of Wednesday. But then it has since been learned uh, that after Melissa Barrera left, or maybe before, uh, I'm not exactly certain of the timeline here, but what actually happened was that Jenna Ortega uh, went in to renegotiate and demanded substantially more money, uh, and it was denied, so she quit. Uh, the word going around <laughs> right now is that uh, Spyglass is trying to entice uh, Nev Campbell turn along uh, with Patrick Dempsey. Uh, who played uh, Officer Mark Kincaid in Scream 3, uh, it is believed that that character is actually Sidney Prescott's husband. As in Scream 5, she actually dropped the name of her husband, uh, which was Mark. Mm -hmm. uh, so mm -hmm. the word going around is that, uh, you know, I guess to make a casting splash on this news is that they're trying to get uh, Nev Campbell and Patrick Dempsey uh, to, to return to the fold. Uh, you know, with this set for a 2025 release, uh, you know, they say that you should probably expect to, you know, just keep your ears open for, for, for news as, as news items surrounding this should continue to be coming coming to. Yeah, you're going to see what happens with it. I mean, I can't blame her for asking for more money. I mean, I don't, I mean, you don't know what a substantial amount is, who knows, but at the same time, I don't know if I, you know, if I could see her wanting to ask for more money, because you did two movies, and I guess Wednesday, and I guess now you feel like you have the, you know, you have the stones to be like, you know what, I deserve to be paid big time. Like, I don't know. Her, I don't think she's there yet. Does, man. Her star power is on the rise now. She definitely, without a doubt, has, you know, she was a draw for the screen movies. Um, you know, I think she... I think she does have the right to ask it, and just like the studio, had, if, if that's the case, the studio had the right to say no. You know, they they believe yep. their franchise is bigger than than, than the actress. Um, we'll see. We'll see if that ends up being a good thing for for them or not. You know, obviously we'll see. We'll see how Scream Seven does. Um, but you know, more more importantly, let's let's see how. Jenna Ortega comes out of, let's say, like Beetlejuice 2 and, you know, what, uh, whatever, I guess, the next season of, uh, 
of Wednesday is going to be, you know. So you, you got you, you got a lot of things that she's involved in that are going to be potentially big things that are just going to continue to to bring her up. Remember, she's only twenty one, man. She is fucking yeah. She is young and and on the rise. And she's young. I mean, she's got a whole career ahead of her. But like you know, I get it with Wednesday season two. You know, and I even get it if she went on to do Scream 7, why she would be a draw, because she is the main character. You know, she's a lot of the focus. But Beetlejuice 2, I, you know, I don't think a lot of people are going to see it because of Jenna Ortega. I think we're going to see yeah, it because are. of Michael Keaton coming back and because of Winona Ryder. You know, we want to see what they've <laughs> oh, been. Oh, you yeah, old person. We you. are. Sit there and say We are. Because we're old and we remember the original Beetlejuice. But guess how they're going to get the younger audience in? by having a known entity, by somebody that a lot of these young girls are watching in Wednesday. That entire Wednesday yeah. dance was a huge TikTok thing. You know what I mean? They don't know fucking mm-hmm. Michael Keaton. They're going to see Michael. Th- hey, they're probably not going to recognize him through the makeup anyway. But if you were to show them Michael <laughs> yeah. Keaton, most of them are going to either say fucking Batman from the Flash movie, or they're going to say fucking, you know, the, the old guy from the Spider-Man movie. Vulture from Spider Man, <laughs> which is like that's so depressing to think about. Fucking Vulture, they're gonna remember him as the old guy, <laughs> or the old guy from the Flash. Not even Batman, just the old guy <laughs> that wore the bat yeah. suit in okay. the Flash. It's just uh, but, you yeah. Know? The, the young horror fans out there are stoked about Jenna Ortega being in the new Beetlejuice movie. All, all like they just see Tim Burton's name and they see Jenna Ortega and they are excited as fuck. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, that, that's cool. I just kind of hope that they just kill her off at the beginning of the movie. And then she just never comes back. Just do a Janet Lee and Psycho. Like, you get a good <laughs> seven minutes of her, and then she's gone. When you die in Beetlejuice, you come back as a ghost. So Not her, though. Matter. You're stuck I know, with She went her. to Super Unless she gets eaten by the worm, which obviously there that you go. doesn't kill him either, because Beetlejuice is back. <laughs> Because Beetlejuice is a great character. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, he could be eaten and never show up again. You know, there's plenty of those characters that show up in Beetlejuice that we never see again, like the fucking football team. Coach, I have to go to the bathroom. I'm not your coach. He survived. Like, she could be that one. She could be the nasty fucking case manager that we see in two scenes. You know, I just the less I see her, the better. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I don't know. The less I She's Lydia's daughter, day, man. She's Lydia's daughter. You know, I don't know. She is your other main character. So deal with it. I just, I just, I can't. I just, uh, I just, I don't like Jenna Ortega, but I did find it interesting that Monica Bellucci is going to be playing Beetlejuice's wife, and I was like, upgrade. Oh, Beetlejuice got a hot wife. Monica Bellucci is so fucking hot, bro. I know she's getting up there in age, but she's so hot. She's so sexy. She can get it now. I was watching one. I was watching the fucking Matrix Reloaded the other day, and it was just like, man, I just like looking at her. Just so hot. Like she was never. There was never a moment when she wasn't hot. Even in Twin Peaks: The Return, when she showed up in a dream sequence, I was like, I want more of this character. Don't go away, Monica Bellucci. Is your hot? No, that's because David even, even in Irreversible, man. Oh, God, she's so good in that. No, <laughs> but it's so good. But uh, so we'll see what happens with the saga of Scream 7 as it unfolds. But what else do you have, Dean? What else are we talking about? So, you know, we have talked many times in this portion of the program about uh, 
how they want a sequel uh, to get going. How can they do it? Uh, does it need one? Uh, well, it's all systems go uh, with the Black Phone Part 2, which has been given a release hmm. date of June 27th, 2025. And not only that, uh, Ethan Hawke will be returning as the grabber. Uh, Mason Thames will also be returning as Finney. Uh, Madeline McGraw will also be returning as Finney's sister Gwen. Uh, and uh, uh, Jeremy Davis will be returning once again as their dad. Um, and also Miguel Mora, who played Robin, uh, Finney's friend who was killed in the first movie. Uh, plot details are being kept completely under wraps at this part in time, uh, but they also talk about the excitement in launching uh, this new horror franchise. Um, I, I, I don't really get it, especially uh, given the ages of uh, Mason Thames and Madeline McGraw when they filmed the first movie, and they haven't even started this one yet, which would you know, you'd have to imagine it has to be a little bit of a time jump as at the ages they were, they're going to be much older and they're going to look much older. Uh, but Ethan Hawke is returning as the grammar. So unless this is part kind of flashback, uh, part modern time, like I don't, I just, I just, don't, I just don't fucking, I just don't know. It has it's to like, be. oh, it has we, to have, we have something successful, so we have to continue it. But <laughs> it was kind of like, with the exception of, of, uh, of the Gwen characters, uh, kind of, uh, you know, ESP kind of telepathic abilities like that weren't fully explored. Like this was kind of a closed loop story. So uh, unless they want, we're going to go back and do like a grammar origins kind of thing. Uh, I just don't get like, like bringing back the entire principal cast. It just, it just, it's confusing to me. And I'm, 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 I'm curious as to what's going to unfold because I did kind of like the black phone, but um you know, it just it just seems kind of bizarre. It's a great one-off. It's a great one-off movie. You know, don't get me wrong. You're right. It's a great one-off. But, I mean, it was made between, like, I think $18 million was the budget, and it made over $160 million at the box office. So you're getting a sequel. <laughs> Whether you like it or not, they are delivering a sequel. And, yeah, they're obviously hoping for a franchise. But it seems kind of impossible, you know, when, when you see the black phone and what happens to the grabber. Uh, so I think the only way you could do it is flashbacks, but we'll see. You know, it could be a new grabber in town. You know, maybe it could be Ethan Hawke's twin brother that we never knew about. <laughs> no, he just has a goatee this time. Oh, no, that twin brother. Oh, no, my evil twin brother with a goatee. He's even more evil. Oh, <laughs> uh, go to Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Put on a goatee, you're automatically evil. So um, we'll see. But all right, Dean, what else are we talking about? Mick G is heating up his discussions about uh, making the babysitter part three. Uh, he says that he has always viewed uh, the babysitter story as a three be- as having three beats, uh, with the first beat being an adolescent Cole. Uh, having these feelings toward his babysitter that he doesn't fully quite understand. Uh, Second beat, having Cole 
come of age where he can, uh, you know, more better understand his feelings and that he does not want to yet say what the third beat is for Cole. But he says that he's ready to do uh, the third babysitter film uh, to close out the story. He's going to become hmm. the babysitter. That's what you need to do if you're going to do a third one. He has to become the babysitter. Well, no, I mean he couldn't because he's good. Like the the babysitter is satanic. Like they they worship the devil. Like you know, so he couldn't become a babysitter. Like he has to kill off the cult. I mean that the second one, Killer Queen, wasn't that great. Uh, so I think the first one's like the one that you want to go watch. But you know, well, yeah, I never finished third. the second one. First one is so much I, fun. But the first yeah. one is fucking fantastic, and I started watching the second one like shortly after it came out. I was excited for it, but like yeah, the first one was fun. Like in, like in the like yeah. you know you you figure out pretty early that it just doesn't seem to have that same energy. It just doesn't seem no. to have yep. that same fun that that first movie did. And maybe it was just me just having higher expectation or what. But I think I made it like twenty five, thirty minutes in, and I was just like, yeah. You know what, like I turned it off to go do something else and I just never went back to it. You didn't miss anything. I finished it. <laughs> it and that was uh, uh, the slog to finish because it just, you could just feel it in the characters. They just were forced to be there. Like, here we are again doing the sequel. Like, it's just, you could, when you feel it, that's when you know it's just a bad movie. When you know that the characters just have no reason to be there. And say, oh, it sucks. But, yeah, the first one, that's kind of where I leave it at. But, you know, he obviously wants to make a trilogy, so, you know, McG, God bless you, you know. But, uh, all right, Dean, what else are we talking about? Uh, that was the final item that I had mm. on my list of things to talk about for this evening. Well, don't be stopping talking just yet, sir, because we're talking about your film pick of the week tonight, 1988 Slime City, directed by Greg Lamberson. Uh, when do you hit us with a plot synopsis and what you thought? Let's kick off this discussion. Yes, and in case anybody didn't know, because I certainly didn't know when I picked this film until I still started doing my usual research about it, is that Gregory Lamberson was uh, the director of uh, one of my other previous picks in the show uh, that I believe we talked about maybe last year. Uh, and that is none other than Killer Rack, uh, the right. director. So um, when I realized that, I thought I just I thought that was um, funny. Uh, but yes, uh, my pick uh, for this particular episode here of Talking Terror was Slime City uh, from 1988, uh, both written and directed by Gregory Lamberson. Uh, and in this film, we follow uh, the the trials and tribulations of, of Horny Alex, um, who is <laughs> horny and, and sexually frustrated. And upon moving into his new apartment building, uh, falls in with his uh, bizarre neighbors who share uh, with him some edible and drinkable lights until he starts to turn into a pulsing, oozing, uh, deformed, uh, slimy monster. Um, 
featuring uh, some of the finest acting uh, that you will find in all of the realm of film. Uh, so, uh, you know, I will say that for Slime City, you know, because I, I'm a fan of, of eight, like plenty of 80s trash uh, films, I was hoping for more. Uh, I was hoping for more gore. Um, you know, I, 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 and a little bit more faster uh, pace with this, even though it was only an hour and 20 minutes. It, to me, it felt much longer than it actually was. And, uh, you know, it's just, just this fucking bizarre, stupid, cheap movie, uh, Slime City. So I'm curious to see what you guys have to, to say about it. All right. Oh, Ghoul, what do you think about Slime City? All right, so Slime City. This is this is my first time watching this one. Uh, I did too notice that you know as I was coming near the end, you know, like I say, I always wait till after the movie to do whatever information lookup I do on the film, and I saw that it was uh, directed by Greg Laverson, uh, who at one point I was friends with on Facebook. I, I remember oh. I, I ended up like I ended up unfriending him at some point or another. I forget if it was <laughs> something he said or if it was just something where it was like you know what I don't really know this person and I don't interact with this person and I'm tired of seeing whatever their, their posts happen to be about shit. So like, I'm just going to unfriend and unfollow you. You know, and I know there are people who are just like, Oh, just unfollow the person because I can't handle fucking losing a friend on Facebook. Like I, I personally couldn't care fucking less, man, you know, whatsoever. And <laughs> uh, uh, no, and no, I'm also not going to do the whole, Oh, just so everybody knows, I'm unfriending a bunch of people. Nah, just you know what, when the fucking time comes, I'm just hitting that fucking button. So anyway, slime city. Uh, so, so like, yeah, like, you know, just, just so I'll throw it out there. If, like, you don't see we're friends anymore, don't bother sending me a fucking request. You know, it's, it's nothing personal, but obviously I just didn't fucking have enough interaction with you to fucking care. Um... So, 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 Slime City, first time watching this, yes, like you said, Dean, you know, this is a fucking cinematic masterpiece, the fucking acting, I can't believe that Oscars just were not given to every single fucking person in this cast, um, yeah, it's, it's trashy, 80s New York City horror, that, that, that's really what it comes down to, it's like, you know, we've had this conversation before, you know, like, the, the, the way movies are made now versus the way movies were made then, we had a big... East Coast, you know, film scene that I feel is like definitely gone, gone to the wayside in the last few years. You know, a lot of a lot of shit got moved down to Georgia. A, a lot of shit goes up to Canada, and obviously you still have Hollywood and, and, and out west. Uh, but like I feel like this New York City, this tri-state area, has definitely been lacking over the last, you know, uh, two decades at least, um, if not more. Uh, so, so, so yeah, this one was, uh, I do agree with the time on this thing. You know, like I, I saw when I initially started this movie and I'm like, oh, cool. It's only an hour and 22 minutes. I know the Dean's picks. They, they, this one sounds like it could be fun and stupid and silly. And I started and I'm like, okay, I'm hoping like this is like street trash or whatever the fucking that movie was called. You exactly. know? Um, yeah, exactly. You know, that, 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 that's, that's what I'm hoping to see here, you know? And, and like, it, it, it's kind of got a similar vibe, but yeah, at one point, like I, I paused the movie and it was only like 35 minutes in 
and I honestly felt like I had been watching it for like two and a half hours. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, and I get that when I pause the movie a lot. Like, there'll be times where I'll be like, oh, okay, I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to stop and do this. I hadn't stopped the film at any point. You know, I was just like, I was kind of excited when I paused it to, like, go to the kitchen. And I was like, oh, yay, I'm going to go get something, and this movie's going to be done soon, and I'm going to get to, like, do something I want to do. And, uh, and no, I was just like, oh, my God, there's, there's still fucking so much time left on this film. Uh, again, there's just some silly things. It's funny. There's points. But, like, yeah, the, the humor was lacking at times. The, the, the effects were... The, the 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 money shots at the end are, are decent at least, but uh, but yeah, overall it's just a fucking another boner pick, man. This is like a porn without the sex scenes. Mm, that's very true. All right, monkey, what'd you think about Swan City? Yeah, exactly like the Google said about a porn without the sex scenes. It's like the film quality was about the same, the sets were about the same, uh, the acting quality was about the same. Um, but, yeah, it's just, again, like everyone else, I was hoping for street trash. Um, hell, I would have even settled for the um, the Dean's other pick that he had but that was also melt body melt. I would have taken that over this as well. <laughs> it's just because, man, it's like this movie, like, it, it, I had no idea what it was going for. It's like, <laughs> like... So, some like you know half-witted script is like where it just didn't seem like anybody was committing on set at any point in time uh kind of like that pick that you made uh the other week king <laughs> it's, it's also shot in the same area it's just uh yeah just oh man yeah, this, this movie was definitely, definitely a tough watch. And it's just, you have to sit through an hour before you can actually get to the part where you're laughing at how bad the movie is when it actually tries to start doing special effects and stuff like that. And then it just gets worse to where I'm, you know, just laughing my ass off because I'm like, oh, my God, who, who the fuck did these sculpts and Randy's tubes and all that kind of stuff? This is fucking horrid ah but you know it is what it is we'll cover it and rip on it accordingly king what did you think of this gem i mean i i'd seen swan city many many years ago i mean this is like bhs era um i'd seen it probably around the same time i saw street trash because i was on this like kick like the ghoul was saying about in the 80s and, and early 90s there was like a renaissance in the new york new jersey area where people were making movies like trauma is based out of there and a lot of other indie uh productions are out of there so i started checking a lot of those out and one of them was slime city and i honestly didn't mind it and now that the the ghoul was talking about being friends with uh, greg lamberson for a while on facebook i'm actually friends with richard haynes who directed splatter university back in 1984 he sent me a friend request because i liked one of his posts in a horror group uh, i was like you see that hard up for friends and then he, he's like reaching out to some guy that liked his post. I don't care. He directed Squatter University. That movie rips. But Slime City, it's just, it's, it's a fun, I'm going to put this on. There's nothing else on on a Sunday, and I'm laying on the couch, not hungover, just kind of bored. And then you might find yourself having a couple of laughs just because the movie is kind of silly, ridiculous. Um, you know, and, and you're kind of coming into this, and if you know what's going on, you're waiting for the final 10 minutes because that's where it's like really fucking kicking off, and you're really having a great time. Because it's gross, it's slimy, it's sticky, it's weird, and you're just 
waiting for that abrupt ending where it just, it's like, oh, we're done. All right. <laughs> the end. You know, just, <laughs> like they know. always did then. Just, just, you know, we're done. No, 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 no. The end, yep. dramatic music, nothing. It's just literally film ends. The credits roll. Yep. That's exactly right. So it, 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 it's a fun one. I mean, I, I do recommend it to people that like movies like Street Trash and Body Melt and Trauma movies. If you like those, you're going to like Slime City. Uh, just don't watch the 2010 version that Greg Lamberson also directed because it just kicks complete right-hand turn and tries to make it way too serious, uh, where it's kind of like the end-of-the-world uh, dystopia and slime being involved. It's just, it's not fun. <laughs> but uh, Slime City opens with a young couple, Alex and Lori, going to check out a potential apartment for Alex. After speaking to a woman named Ruby outside, they head up to the third floor to check the place out. The apartment isn't that bad for New York. It seems very clean, no roaches in the fridge, and one of the windows opens, unlike my apartment where they're all nailed shut. So this apartment is choice. <laughs> Actually, my windows are nailed shut. Because so, I live in a city, and apparently that's what they thought was smart. Um, no, it's not. seriously, they they nailed his windows shut. He's still trying to yep. break that shit. I cannot open them. <laughs> with nasty <laughs> with nasty ass nails. Where I was like, okay, I'll take care of this. Hold on, I couldn't even get that shit out because they used fucking nasty ass ripped nails in there. Yep. So they never want me to get out. That's what they're saying. Uh, so anyway, uh, we then cut to Alex and his former roommate Jerry moving his things into his new apartment. And we see one smoking hot woman leave her apartment and take an interest in Alex. She's Nicole and chats up Alex a little bit before taking off, inviting him over if he ever needs anything, a.k.a. sex. So later, Lori is in the new apartment, and she tells Alex that her parents want to meet him, but he doesn't seem too thrilled about it. So they start kissing and fooling around a little bit, and she's like, no. And he's like, oh, great. Well, anyway, here's some keys to my apartment if you want it. Kind of an idiot move when you think about it, but, you know, it's fine. He decides uh, they're going to leave and go out for the night, and they run into Roman, or Roman, if you will, who looks like he's auditioning for a Misfits cover band that only sings Smith songs for some reason. But it turns out he's just a poet, um, and he's going to become Alex's friend at a certain point. So later that night, Alex returns home and runs into Nicole, who asks him, uh, is that your girlfriend that I saw earlier? And then he says, well, probably. And she says, oh, she looks nice. Too bad. And then she leaves with her date for the evening. Wish.com's version of Randy Rhodes. And if you look at him, it's like, oh, shit, are you the guitarist for Ozzy Osbourne? No, no, he's not. Uh, what happens to him is he has very fucking loud sex with Nicole that ends with him screaming, uh, perhaps dying a violent death. Uh, Alex doesn't certainly care because he needs to get some more sleep. So he gets his sleep, and then we cut to the next day where Alex runs into Roman outside of the apartment building looking through trash cans for things he could put into his apartment because he's an artist, and he finds the best things in trash. And that's when Roman invites Alex over for dinner. But Alex has to work. No worries. Roman's just going to put on something that won't spoil. You know, and I was waiting for this Roman character to kind of put the moves on Alex a little bit, but he knows it. He's actually just kind of a nice guy. I thought he was going to try to rub his leg or something, but no, he, he keeps it completely uh, hetero. So then we later see Alex talking to Jerry about uh, – Nicole's weird nightly habits, but no worries. Once Lori starts banging him in the new place, Nicole won't even be a problem. And later, also, Lori visits Alex at the video store where he works. And again, I fucking love it. It's 1988. It's a video store. I was in love, and I was like, I wish I could go back there and just fucking walk up and down the aisles because it was so nice. But, of course, 
no more sex for him uh, coming from Lori because she's still chased and not giving it up. So that night at Roman's, the two men bond over Himalayan yogurt because Roman doesn't eat meat. So a glass of wine is poured, a.k.a. elixir. No, if you don't eat your meat, and Roman doesn't eat any meat. So uh, glasses of wine are poured, a.k.a. elixir, and this elixir came from Lizzie's father. She was an old woman that we saw earlier talking to Ruby. She comes in to play a little later on, uh, and Roman says that her old man was really into alchemy. Uh, and he's no longer around, so go ahead and drink up. So Alex drinks, and he decides to go back to his apartment, but, ah, oh, shit. I lost my keys. But luckily, Nicole, who also plays Laurie in this movie, except wearing a black wig, uh, decides, I found your keys. Why don't you come inside my place? And he immediately follows. I cannot blame him. Come inside because my she's place. 80s hot. Yeah, I mean, she's 80s hot. She's got the whole black uh, panties and bra. She's got the black wig. I, I would have fucking been at her door real fucking quick. I wouldn't have made it that long in this movie either. Like Randy Rose, he died real early in this movie. And I would have too because... She would have invited me up and I immediately have been dead because I just have no self-control. Um, or flesh control. Didn't she be too young happened. for you? No, she looked like she was about 35, uh. 40. So <laughs> she was right up there. She definitely didn't look too young. She looked like she could be somebody's mother, and that means she qualifies for the king's harem. Just saying. <laughs> anyway, uh, Nicole and Alex enter her apartment, and they soon begin making out. Before she lays him down, it then just starts grinding on him as she shouts the name of Zachary. Um, this is usually the point in the movie where you would see tits and you would see a simulated sex scene. Uh, instead, you no. get grinding and her calling <laughs> yep. out the name of Zachary um, before cutting to a black and white dream sequence in Alex's apartment where he sees a man in a hooded robe and he takes yeah, no a drink tits. of wine that's offered him. No tits at all. Yep. And I was very Gun. fucking surprised. There should have been tits. It was Yep, should have been. At some point, <laughs> there should have been to keep, keep us watching. And again, I didn't because even you find think this chick all that attractive. You know what I mean? But yeah, it's just like it, this is where the tits go. I've seen this movie before. There's supposed to be tits. We movie. all have. Yep. We've all seen this movie before. We've jerked off to movies like this before. But yeah, this one's just like, we're going to keep it close to the chest. What, the PG? You can't even show us a little tit? Like, it's not even that much cursing in this movie. None. I think, you know, it's just Jesus. But anyway, um, in the dream, Alex drinks the glass of elixir before it shatters to the ground. And then he wakes up from his dream covered in cum because obviously he exploded during the night. Um, it's not cum, though. It's actually like slime. Uh, and he goes to check himself out in a bathroom well, mirror. And then he decides, I'm going to leave my apartment. <laughs> okay, <laughs> That's what I thought. I was like, he just had the best nocturnal gym of his life and just fucking came like a geyser. Because he's been holding in that cum for who knows how long. Because, you know, Lori's not giving it up. So, yeah, he just fucking came. You know? I'm telling you, sometimes, I mean, if I haven't jerked off in a while, then I jerk off and it fucking comes out like a fountain. I'm like, Jesus Christ. It's just it's Bro, not you know, enough I'm, fucking dude, tissue paper. You know how many times it's like, yo, if I, if I go, like, too many days, that shit fucking ends up. It's like I got a matrix dodge that shit. And it, 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 it's yep. just nothing fucking <laughs> yeah. worse. Then, like, it's like, I tend to lay down when I'm doing my business. You know what I mean? And, like, you Me fucking too. pop. You hit, you hit yourself in the chin, bro, and you're kind of like, there's a part of you that's, like, proud of yourself, and then there's a part of you that's like, <laughs> man, that fucking sucks. Yeah. No, I I, I literally <laughs> had to change sheets. It sucks. Then, then you got to do the body check in the mirror and be like, did I get it all? 
Did I get it? <laughs> I don't want. Uh, you never I don't want to miss something and then go out into the living room where the <laughs> the family is. <laughs> you will never get it all. And believe me, monkey, they will see the shame on your face. They will know what you just did. There is no hiding the fact that you just popped one off at Thanksgiving dinner. They will all know, and they'll all look at you and all judge you, even though you got all the come out. No, they will. Believe me, I've been there. You know, back when I was with my ex, I jerked off on Christmas Eve, and they all fucking looked at me and like, oh goddamn, they know, they know. Uh-huh. I, like, I I couldn't go you with the jerk. Jerker the around the Christmas tree. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then I'm just I'm I'm handing out gifts and I'm like, did I scrub my hands good enough? I'm like, oh god. <laughs> you know, it was a whole thing. But um, so yeah, Alex, after he cleans his come off, he decides to leave his apartment where he's cornered by a homeless man begging for change. Alex pulls out his pants pocket, emptying it out. Chain falls to the ground. The homeless man eagerly scoops it all up. Then later, we cut to a restaurant where Alex is just dripping with ooze, and he's like, well, this isn't good. So the next time we see him, he's walking down the street, and his face is very goopy, very slimy, very messy. He collapses in an alley and pukes and sees the homeless man from earlier, and that's when Alex just decides to grab the pipe and beat him to a bloody pulp as his body returns back to normal. Because as we find out, you have to fucking kill people to satisfy the slime. Like, they... Lamberson had a great idea and just didn't really work out too well. But either way, see, um, and that 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 was like one of the things I had though about this was they just need to go around and kill. It's it should have been something about like you know he like you said use the pipe. It's like should have been something about you know later on like we see you using it and oozing on the people and making them melt and you know. There's nothing left on the well, street or some shit like that. Well, yeah, we see the sequence later where there's, like, teeth, you know what I mean? Where, like, his body yep. is becoming something that needs to consume something. So, yeah, like, you know, like, right. you go Ghostbusters on it, but, like, you slime somebody to consume them yeah. and therefore keep your corporeal form. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, after his death, Alex runs back to his apartment to wash the blood off his jacket and that's when Ramon knocks on his door and brings over you the leftovers right from the night before. <laughs> well, he definitely did. <laughs> um, so Alex asks Roman uh, if the uh, elixir ever made him hallucinate. And he says, uh, yeah, like it happens all the time. Lizzie's father was into the occult and alchemy, and he killed himself along with all his followers in the apartment's basement. Fun fact about that guy. So he's, oh, well, that's fun. I mean, you know, I mean, that's probably going to come up later. So we see later Laurie calling Alex and wants to know what's wrong with him, and he tells her he's just not feeling himself. And he also reluctantly agrees to go to dinner with her and her parents. And after hanging up, he decides he's going to eat just a little bit of that Himalayan yogurt. But for some reason, he gets so fucking jacked up and horny about it that he just fucking swallows every fucking drop and even licks the lid because he just can't get enough. And then he has to go over and visit with Nicole. And she's not there at the moment, and he looks into her fridge, and he finds a bunch of pink fluid and bottles of elixir, which he immediately starts drinking. And then we cut later to Lori chatting in the park with Jerry's girlfriend, Renee, and she tells Lori just to give up the pussy, stop being a prude, and fuck your boyfriend, and maybe he'll stick around. She's like, I don't like the way you talk to me. I'm out of here. So Lori gets up to leave and runs into another woman, Madame Selena, who tells her that she's in a lot of trouble. Well, not you, but your lover. She'll tell her for a dollar, but Lori declines that offer, 
Madam Selena once again make the offer before leaving, she'd buy that for a dollar for sure because she does. <laughs> yeah. <we> find out. <laughs> and and that whole part with I'd the fortune teller and all that was like like giving heavy trauma vibes, you know. But I was expecting it to be like way cheesier to her, her look way more gypsy. <laughs> oh, it was just it was just two shades away from being trauma. Like this this movie kind of wishes it was a trauma movie because it, it's trying to be funny and it's just trying too hard to be funny at times where it's just like, no, like with trauma, like they know what they're doing. They know how to make humor. <laughs> and this movie just kind of failed like when it tried. But anyway, um, Alex goes down to the apartment's basement with Ruby and discovers the legacy of Zachary, a few bottles of elixir, and no one can resist his recipe according to Ruby. So Ruby then shows him a picture of Zachary in a book he wrote called Flesh Control so I guess Alex kind of looks like Zachary. Eh, anyway, we cut to Alex having dinner with Lori and her parents. Lori announces that she's moving in with Alex, and her dad's like, the fuck you are. She's like, but, Dad, I'm 22. And his, the mom is saying, no, nah, I don't know, honey. That's not a good idea. And Alex is like, yeah, they're right. Listen to them. Horrible idea. You got to fucking do it. She's like, what? Yeah, no, no, bitch. He's like, No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm getting some now. I don't want none of your shit no more. <laughs> I am getting so much ass right now that I actually don't have time, you know, for you. So, no, I don't think it's a good idea. Uh, and after he says this, he begins to leak slime into his food. So he immediately excuses himself to use the bathroom and scene. <laughs> Literally, that's how the scene ends, him saying, I have to go to the bathroom. And then we immediately cut to him going home with a hooker um, with bandages all over his face and sunglasses and rubber gloves. Um, I wonder if they asked where he was going at a certain point, because you would have to hear the front door open and close, but I guess they just ignored that. They're like, no, it's fine. Maybe he went to go use the bathroom down the hall, because we have a huge house. No. Never. <laughs> yeah, he's, he, he, he's busy running around as dark man now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. So he sits down in his bedroom <clears throat> in the dark, and this hooker with a heart of gold is like, oh, but baby, like, you know, it'd be so much better if we did it with the lights on. I mean, at least let me remove your bandages, so... She removes them and feels how oozy and gross they are. And then she decides to turn on the light, so Alex immediately slashes her to death and then puts her body parts in the trash can outside. It's 1988. It's New York City. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that everybody was doing this at a certain point in New York City. Like, hey, pre, kill another pre, pre Giuliani. Yeah, got two yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Hey, fucking forget about it. We put them in the trash can, making the city's problem. Hey. Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking trash. <laughs> fucking trash services on strike again. Shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so after the death and after he calms down, Alex goes back to the basement where he finds a headshot of a girl named Lisa Holt, who is actually Nicole, because she immediately shows up when this revelation happens. And he asks her, how many people have you killed? And she's like, oh, baby, I stopped counting so long ago. Um, and this is where it's one of those moments in the movie where they just throw you with a bunch of fucking information and you just have to go with it because apparently <laughs> information everybody, <dump>. yeah, everybody <laughs> in the building from Nicole to Ruby to, uh, you know, Roman, they're all possessed by members of the cult that killed themselves in the basement. Um, Lizzie didn't die with the cult. She had to survive to give the elixir out. So Zachary needs a body to possess, and they want to corrupt Alex. That's why he slept with Nicole. 
Uh, so now Zachary is going to possess Alex by spray painting his hair white at certain points in this movie to show that he, he's becoming older. Does everybody follow? Yeah. Okay, yeah, because that's what, yeah, exactly you know what, what happens. Yeah. So. Okay, so when I first noticed that was happening, right, I thought it was like a lighting thing. And I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah, same here. I, guess, I was like, this is what's going on. And I was like, what a weird choice to have, like, an older actor playing this young role, you know. But then, no, I did. I noticed it just kept getting more and more gray. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> like Paul Heyman. Be so <laughs> like Heather Langkamp in Nightmare on Elm Street, where she gets. Because it's such a horrific event that occurred to her. It gave her a great streak. <laughs> it happened in the first movie. You know? I know. You yeah. just pointed out. I, you know? I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, she looks in the but, mirror and she goes, oh, my God, I look so old. Like, I'm 21. <laughs> and but on the but on the flip side, it's like you think they would be like less picky about you know re, the reincarnating and all that. And it's like you know because he's like okay, gotta have a guy that looks kind of like our you know <laughs> Zachary. It's like oh, gee, why can't you just hop into a woman's body? So or some shit, you know. But no, yeah, it has to awfully picky like for people where their supplies are running out. You know, you think they would. Because the basement is getting less and less empty, and they don't have any more elixir, you think they wouldn't be so picky? <laughs> yeah, you think that they'd be real quick to just find somebody, but no, they have to find the right person, um, and they try to be kind of smart. Like I said, they start dyeing his hair a little bit gray every time, and it's just like, oh, all right, all right, <laughs> I see you trying to be kind of clever. You know, but no, it just doesn't work because by the end of the movie, they just washed it out because he's all slimy. And it's like, oh, well, there it goes. They didn't have enough money to put the gray back in. But anyway, um, <laughs> Lori goes to they visit out Madame of Selena. No, they sure did. Uh, Lori goes Selena. to visit Madame Selena. That's exactly what happened. So Lori uh, is called out as a virgin by Madame Selena. And she's like, hey, that's not cool. She's like, anyway, we're not here to talk about you that. A virgin, we're here Claire? to talk about Alex. Are you a virgin? <laughs> and Alex is living in an old building. Oh, and he is uh, being drawn into a vile nest by the Watchdogs of Evil. Great metal band name for the 80s. Why wasn't there a Watchdogs of Evil? I don't fucking would have had every one of their albums. But anyway, uh, no, she that sees the resurrection. A <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, it could have been like a great splinter cell of Sisters of Mercy. Like you get the Sisters of Mercy and the Watchdogs of Evil. Like, that would have been a fucking great doubleheader concert. That's how you fucking do it. But, you know, this sounds kind of like the Ghost. <laughs> yeah, that could be the other act. I mean, that's that, that's a triple fucking act right there. I mean, you know, if I fist of mercy, Ghost, and the Watchdogs of Evil. Oh, man, that tickets sell themselves. You know, but so uh, Madame Selena sees the resurrection of a terrible man, and Alex is beyond saving. He's involved with the dead. So Lori decides to head back over to that apartment and find that Alex is in home. Inside his fridge is nothing but bottles and containers of the elixir. She then goes into his bedroom unannounced and goes into his closet unannounced and finds a shoebox full of murder mementos, like a fun straight razor, sunglasses, rubber gloves, and the hooker's high heel shoe. 
but she immediately had <laughs> to put this all back that because were in Alex the previous scene that he was in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Remember, fifteen minutes ago, we're right back. All right. Remember those things? We're we're here. So uh, it's 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 amazing. But anyway, um, Alex comes home. She gets freaked out. He begins tossing accusations at her. He demands that she give his apartment key back, and she does. And then tosses her engagement ring at her, uh, at him. And he's like, "But wait, babe!" But you know, she's already gone. So that's when we cut to. For some reason, Alex is just heading into the basement and flips through the flush control book before being confronted by Lizzie, who confirms that everyone Alex has met in the building is possessed. The elixir is actually ectoplasm of the possessed people. <gasps> Lizzie didn't kill herself because she had to stay and administer the elixir. Her mother also died during this process. Alex then immediately runs up to his apartment and dumps out all the elixir from the fridge down the kitchen sink. Nobody's possessing me today. So movie's over. That's no, right, we still have like 25 minutes left. <laughs> no, plenty of time, including the very problematic name of our detective that shows up, Irish O'Bannon who wants to talk ah. about the disappearance of prostitute Heather Langley, the one Alex killed. He denies knowing who she is, but the detective thinks he's lying. An associate saw her enter the building with a man in bandages. Detective O'Bannon also knows Heather pretty closely and wants to know where she went. He's going to show back How did he know her pretty right? closely? <laughs> because he's their neighbors. I just fucking Detective O'Bannon trying to do his Beth Keith Morrison impression from fucking Dateline. Oh, do you know where she is? Oh, like, you know, if you've ever seen Keith Morrison do an interview, it's fucking hilarious. Like, the guy, <laughs> every fucking thing he says is always just so fucking serious. But anyway, later we see Nicole dressed like she's going into a King Diamond music video where she heads down to the basement for sexy yoga while Alex is also somehow dreaming about this. And nothing comes of it. There's no sex. There's no makeout scene. No, it's just we're, we're eating up some time so we can get to the third act. So we're going to have her dance really sexily in the basement while Alex has a wet dream about her. And then it's just going to end. Is she going to pick out her tits? No. She's going to show her ass? No. Whore, She's going to finger her you, you would think, you would think, and I was like, this is it, guys. This is it. This is the scene. They're going to play like a really sexy metal song. She's going to get all fucking hot. She's going to start dripping some fucking slime. And then she's nope. going to take off her top. And she's going to, yeah, no, it doesn't happen. She stays fully fucking clothed. Like, was the clause in her contract, Greg, that she couldn't get naked? Is that could you not get another actress? Like it's just be like, hey, just somebody show their tits. No, no, unfortunately, no, doesn't happen. So show us your Alex, titties. <laughs> you know, I wish it's '88, guys. Let's see some titties. I'm gonna go watch a trauma movie then at this point because at least they have no problem showing titties, bush, dick. Ass, like you know, Lloyd <laughs> likes everything. Uncle Lloyd likes all fucking genders, all fucking body parts. Um, so anyway, Alex well, the next day the same drops by the has a hooker with a heart of gold as well. So you know, mm-hmm. obviously, we're not looking to sell the sex here. We're just looking to sell the slime. We just want to sell you the cum. Yeah, <laughs> we want to sell you the action figure where you press the back and slime comes out. The kids are gonna fucking love it. Slime City action figures. <laughs> but anyway, um, Alex goes to an apartment to deliver some videotapes uh, for a woman, and her daughter, Tracy, answers, and she's like, hey, do you want a drink? And he's like, sure do. But he immediately begins dripping mustard all over the floor. Silly him. Can't clean it up, so he decides to leave, leaving mustard Tracy man. confused as to where Alex went. Mustard man with a mustard <laughs> plug. Um, so 
The next time we see Alex, his face is all bandaged up, and this is when Alex runs into a gang. And they decide they're going to drag him into an alley and try to rob him. When one of the gang decides he's going to real try hard to get that money, he stabs Alex in the stomach, but his hand turns into the thing, and a mouth opens up in the wound and swallows the gang member's arm as the rest of the gang flees in terror. Actually, this gang, I feel like, didn't know what was going to happen when that scene happened, and that was legitimate reactions. Because they fucking flew down that fucking out. Get the fuck out of here, I'm man. I'm getting the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. Don't leave me. Don't leave me. I'm like, you know, screaming in the fucking alley. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit, that's fucking hardcore. I love it. But um, Alex returns back home to discover that the stomach wound has self-stitched itself. His face is still pretty fucking gross, though. So Jerry arrives in his Canadian tuxedo of denim on denim and decides to find out what's going on with his pal. And he's just grossed out by the way Alex looks, but Alex likes the way he looks, and Alex likes the way he feels now. He accepts Alex for Alex. So what does he do? Looking he good, his old feeling pal good. The <laughs> Looking Alex good, Lewis. Feeling good. <laughs> so he ends up tossing Jerry out into the hall, bashing his head against the floor, killing him in the process. And that's when Alex's face returns to normal as Nicole appears and they both go into her apartment again to not have sex, but to just talk about what just happened and maybe make some dinner. They obviously are not having sex. Um, So Lori meets up with Alex in a park. This fucking movie has so many fucking random cuts where it's like going to the apartment. Next scene, he's laying in Central Park reading a book. So anyway, Lori meets up with Alex in the park. And they agree to meet that night. And she's like, I'm worried about Jerry. Like, he's been missing for a while. Oh, babe, don't worry. Jerry, you know him. He likes to drink a lot. He'll probably show up later hungover. She's like, you're right. I love you. And he's like, I kind of tolerate you too, Lori. So anyway, later, Detective Irish O'Bannon talks to Lori and asks her about the disappearance of Jerry and then mentions that Alex is probably involved in the disappearance of a prostitute. And she's like, hell no, man. That's my boyfriend. He wouldn't do anything like that. And he's like, do you really know your boyfriend? She's like, I think so. And then we're also done with that scene. That scene also just comes to a crashing fucking conclusion where we have to cut back to Alex's apartment where Nicole and Alex are talking, uh, and they discuss how he's nearly being completely possessed by Zachary, and you could tell because he has his bad guy gray hair now. So it's like, oh, shit, he's fucking turning evil. Look at all the hair. It's gray. It's not brown anymore. And by the time Lori arrives at his apartment, he is full silver fox mode. Um, oh, by the way, they they have sex at a certain point, Lori and Alex. There's no there's no uh, build up to it. They just cut to a scene of Alex putting on a black silk robe and him going, huh, "Typical girl, letting the guy do all the work." And she's like, "Oh, you idiot!" And she's wrapped up in a sheet. And I was like, "Oh, did they have sex?" I was like, "Oh." I guess so, because she's naked and he's walking away. So, oh, God. And then Lori notices some sticky goo on the pillow, which she doesn't assume is cum. I would assume it's cum. Because you don't know if he came outside of her, inside of her. That is not soul goo. That is soul cum. That's that's his soul coming at that point. Um, So she ends up going into... So um, Yeah, so she she finds the elixir in the fridge, and Alex is taking a shower during this time. 
and he decides to get dressed while she sits down at the kitchen table reading the book Flesh Control. Alex begins giving her a slow, kind of sensual neck massage. It gets a little bit too tough for Lori's taste. She says, no, you're hurting me. And he goes, no, I'm killing you, just like I killed Jerry. And she's like, <laughs> silly. And he's like, well, I had to kill, otherwise the slime would consume me. And if I enjoyed killing my best friend, I'm going to love killing you. And that's when his face begins oozing with slime as he attempts to kill Lori, but she fights back and stabs him with a fork. That's when she decides to arm herself with a kitchen knife as Alex yells and declares, I'm Zachary. And that's when he stabs her in a way a with a color. fork and forces a kiss on her. So she ends up stabbing him in the shoulder with a fork before slicing open his stomach with the kitchen knife, causing all of his guts to fall to the floor, which he has to immediately stuff back inside himself while making direct eye guts contact with her the entire time. Guts that were just fucking hot dogs. You could see the fucking links <laughs> in there. <laughs> yeah, it just... You know, at least with Tom Savini, he would, like, paint the hot dogs and put them in condoms and shit like that. They didn't have that kind of time or budget, so they're just like, throw some hot dogs in there and just throw some yellow <laughs> shit in there, too. I don't know. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're on a tight budget as it is. So, um, so she ends up, you know, slicing him in the stomach. He puts his guts back in. Um, she stabs him in the chest, and it has no effect. He immediately pulls that knife out. So she reaches behind her for a butcher knife and then saws his head off, which lands on the kitchen floor. You think this is over? It's not. We still have, like, five minutes left. Because the head is still alive. As the headless body of Alex gets up and grabs at her, she cuts off one of Alex's arms and then stabs his hand with the other uh, kitchen knife. I just love the effect of the arm coming off because you can just so fucking clearly tell it's a dummy. Like, the body's all distorted. (laughs) It's just... They didn't make any attempt at making it look smooth. They're just like, listen, we have like five bucks left in the budget. We have to go. We have to do this now. <laughs> like, we just, we're done. So after she stabs his other hand with the kitchen knife, the stomach opens up all thing style with teeth. But Lori just kicks it. <laughs> and then it lands on the couch and then fucking dies. <laughs> she soft shoe kicks it. Not even very hard. It lands on the couch, spurts up a bunch of yellow slime and dies. And so the fucking head on the floor is like, oh, God damn it. Get up! Get up! <laughs> I just, I couldn't stop laughing because I was just like, it's just the softest kick. Not even hard. But anyway, uh, she then gets down on her knees and stabs the head with the kitchen knife. The head then opens up and Alex's brain crawls out, which she also decides to take apart with the butcher knife. And end scene. End scene because it's over. So you think like, oh, well, we're going to get this sequence where Detective O'Bannon's going to run in like fucking Tom Atkins with the fucking gun. Be like, what the fuck's going on in nope. here? No, it doesn't. <laughs> what ends up happening is that we never see Laurie again, but we do see Detective O'Bannon coming out of the apartment building, speaking with the people of the apartment, like Roman and Ruby and Lizzie. Um, and they're like, oh, like, we don't know where Alex went. He just, like, he went. I don't know. Like, he just, he was here one day and then gone the next. And, you know, what happened with Lori? And Detective O'Bannon tells them that Lori isn't talking. She's devastated. You think? She just had to fucking take apart her boyfriend limb by limb and then bash his brain in with a kitchen knife. She should be in a mental institution, but she's not because we just never know what happens to her. O'Bannon decides he's going to leave the apartment, and then he goes, say, you know, that apartment, even though there was blood and yellow slime and just viscera everywhere, it was pretty nice. And, of course, Ruby tells him, oh, yeah, once we clean it up, if you want to rent it, you can. 
And that's when Lizzie pops up, and she's like, Eddie, you didn't have to run an ad this time. Oh, we are laughing. <laughs> and the movie ends. <laughs> and the movie comes to a crash, you that, that should have ended the movie. It should have ended with a freeze from them high-fiving and then it's then it's a fart. That should have Like, it was just, again, it was trying so hard to be kind of like a trauma movie, but they just don't understand that trauma movies, like, you know, they, they go out of their way to make them gory and funny. This one just tried to force it on you. Like, Toxic Avenger, Class of Newcomb High, those movies work because they're not forcing it on you. They're just, they know that they're being funny. This movie has a wild cuts where, again, like, you know, you're seeing him at dinner, and then all of a sudden he's at his apartment. What happened in between? When did they have sex? You don't know. Like, he just keeps because trying to move on. Because we saw no tits. <laughs> <laughs> None. Yeah, and I thought maybe I would find some trivia about that, you know, after watching the movie. Uh, no, the only trivia bit is that uh, they had to cut down the movie when they released it on DVD. So they cut it down even more from an hour and 20 minutes to like an hour 15 because they cut out a lot of the non-plus uh, scenes that happened, like uh, the sexy dance sequence in the basement. That just has no value on the movie whatsoever because she doesn't even get naked. It's like watching a John Hughes movie. The entire movie, you want to see Kelly LeBrock get naked, you never see it once. Fucking got ripped off. Two dudes in a shower with her, and she doesn't even show a nipple? God damn it, weird science. Fuck me up. Jay from Jay and Silent Bob was right. Wait for her to drop her gear the entire movie. It never does. Yeah, I, I th- like, because Dean, she doesn't actually, like, show anything until Steven Seagal movie, right? What's that? Kelly LeBrock, yeah. Yeah, not until that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She doesn't really show anything until she was in that movie with Steven Seagal, right? Hard to Kill? Uh, hard to Kill, no. No, no. Oh, she didn't show anything in there? I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't believe there's no. any nudity for her in that no. either. There was no nudity Oh, in there. okay. <laughs> well, damn. Hmm. Okay, never mind. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? You think Rico wants to see some titty? Nah, I just want to fuck people up when I come out In of my not- coma. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Like Nico, any, like, Nico, I think his character's name was. Which one? In, in which one? Was hard to kill. Was hard to kill. Nico in that no, one? hard to kill. In hard to kill, he was Mason Storm. Uh, Mason, in, okay. Uh, Alfred Justice. Out for justice, he might have been uh, Nico. It was like Nico Toscani or something like that. No, 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 no. It was it was a viber <laughs> in Out for Justice. Nico Nico Toscani might have been the first one above the law. Um, above the law, okay. Might have been Nico. I think Nico was above the law. Um, in Out for Justice, it was uh, Gino. Uh, and something that rhymed. I can't remember what it was, but it was Gino. Gino the second, the last name, the last name. Ron, looking Gino Felino, Felino, Gino Felino. <laughs> yes. Gino Felino. Man. Yeah. Um, above the law, I believe, was Nico Toscani. Nico Toscano or Toscani, something like that. Um, Nico, yeah. And above the law was Nico Toscani. Nico Toscani. Yep. 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 And then uh, now, yeah, now going from. Uh, going from straight memory and out for justice, it was um, it was Casey Ryback in Out for Justice, 
and now I'm trying to remember the no, one from Mark Burnett. No, you said Alfred Justice was uh, no under was siege, the other under one. siege, under siege, I under apologize. siege, under yeah. siege. Was and, well, no, then there's John Casey Hatcher Ryback. and Mark Burnett. Right. Okay. Got it. Um, that, that, that's fucking the, hilarious. I think out of the four, that's like <laughs> the most underrated one, and it's fucking hysterical because recently the little monster, okay, the thirteen-year-old walking around the house, like out of nowhere, I guess like certain phrases have started like popping up through TikTok or whatever, and like the other day she's like, "Yeah, the bump clot, man." And I'm like, "Wait, get the fuck out of here!" Because like I think of that, <laughs> I immediately think of March for Death, you know? Oh. Screw face will get you, man. The blood clots will come and get you. <laughs> <laughs> blood clots. <laughs> oh, God. I just, yeah, Gina Bolino. That makes sense. I just love, love to see that movie now. Yeah, they call me Gina Bolino. <laughs> is it fat Steven Seagal or is it fit Steven Seagal? It's got to be fit Steven Seagal. Oh, these are all fits. These are his first four movies, man. First five movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> completely this, completely this, this fit. He, he was fucking cut. <laughs> yeah, now he just gets out of breath in his own name. I don't know if he was cut because we never he saw never him cut. without clothing. You know what I mean? He always was, like, fucking dressed from, like, top to bottom. So, like, you, you, <laughs> yeah, but the, the closest in... you ever saw him, like, is, is uh, hard to kill when he's going through his rehabs. Like stint, you know, you see him a little bit, but like, yeah. even then he wasn't in... like cut. He was like normal. No, you couldn't. Well, here's the thing, right? No, he was not. He was not cut and muscular, but and I know, I know, I know, uh, especially the first two, uh, you know, inside and out in every which way. Uh, in the first one, there is a sequence when he is running, uh, chasing someone, and he's wearing like a tank top, and while he's not like cut and muscular, he's very lean. Um, and same thing. Once, even once he gets. Uh, his rehab and training in Hard to Kill, uh, and he goes to leave the house for the first time, like, he's wearing, like, incredibly tight jeans and, like, a black leather jacket, and you can tell that it's somebody that's in really good shape. Uh, you know, it wasn't until, um, you know, even, maybe, maybe he was starting to show, like, a little bit, a little bit of, of, of weight put on, like, maybe in um, Under Siege, but moving forward that's after there... Yeah, it was progressively more, uh, like, from there Especially on. Especially that Alaska movie. <laughs> yeah, on, that's called On Deadly Ground. Yeah, there was On Deadly Ground, uh, and then there was one where he was some kind of government agent when Chris Christopherson was, like, poisoning the ground with oil in, like, the Appalachian country somewhere. And, uh, you know, and then after that, he, like, disappeared for a long, long time. And there was some, a lot of straight-to-video garbage until he had that comeback one, which everyone was like, Steven Seagal's back, but it was fucking terrible with a lot of cuts to hide how fat he was, which with DMX, I think it was called Exit Wounds or something like that. Yeah, um, Exit Wounds, that was pretty good. The one with yeah, the Chris Robertson was called The Fire, it was called The Fire Down Below, I think it was called. Hmm. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the one where he's a firefighter, isn't he? Like in the woods or whatever? So he's not a firefighter. He's like a he's like a government agent that works for like the environmental branch of the government because it's suspected that like toxic chemicals are being put in the ground in Appalachia, and it turns out that Chris Christopherson is like an evil businessman that's poisoning the land, and maybe there's drugs involved. Uh, but he wasn't a firefighter. He was like a environmental firefighter in On Deadly Ground, the one in Alaska. 
Uh, Some kind of oil lick firefighter or something. You know what? Yeah. The, the one that always just fucking gives me such a giggle, man, is fucking executive decision. Because that's one of those where I just remember so oh, many fucking Russell? things being oh, yeah. like, yeah, well, so many things. And I do like the movie, don't get me wrong. But I just remember so much of it being like, oh, Steven Seagal's in this movie. Oh, Steven Seagal's yep. in this movie. Oh, Steven Seagal just fell out of the airplane. Steven Seagal's in this movie. I lost my shit when he fell out of that airplane. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I was like, holy oh, shit. Like, oh, Steven Seagal left the movie. This is a Kurt Russell movie. <laughs> Yeah. Oh God, that's one of the greatest sequences in the movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was Slime City from 1988, directed by Rick Landerson. Uh Next week, I believe the pick goes to me. Um, yes, it does. You know, and, si- and since the our Med Monkey is going to be taking the leave from us uh, very soon, um, you know, well, I know we're all kind of sad about it, but I kind of wanted to make my, my last pick uh, with the go-around and you guys all together uh, to be something that we can talk about, but also something I wanted to have the monkey here for uh, just because I, I think that, you know, he might appreciate it, and you guys might appreciate it too because it's one of my favorite movies. It's more of a thriller than a horror movie. Um, <clears throat> but we are going to be going back and talking about David Lynch's Blue Velvet next week for the show. Okay. So I I know that uh, the, the monkey and I the monkey and I have bonded many times over David Lynch and Blue Velvet and Fuck. Twin Peaks and fucking past I wanted Blue to go Lemon. <laughs> yeah. Hanukkah, fuck that shit. So yeah, I wanted to talk about the psychosexual psychopath like Frank Booth played like Dennis Hopper and uh, kind of just say thank you to the monkey and kind of go off in a good way with my last pick with him being here uh, and talk about Blue Velvet. Okay. Velvet. <laughs> Blue Velvet next week. All right. <laughs> I mean, there, when you type in Blue Velvet on Google, there's a whole bunch of places that you could watch it. So, I mean, if you – worst case scenario, you have to rent it. It's like three ninety nine. So, I mean, I have a, a DVD copy of it. Monkey, I know you're not going to have a problem finding it. But, you know, for, for Google and for uh, Dean, uh, I think you'll be able to find a way to watch it because there's, there's so many different options. But either way – We'll be talking about that next week. I'm looking forward to diving into the world of David Lynch uh, for my film pick. But with that being said, uh, thank you so much. You for... can watch it on Hulu. You can watch it on Showtime. You can. So it says premium subscription for Amazon Prime, which may mean that you have to have like one of those type things. Uh, Sling TV has it. Uh, Paramount Plus has it. So yeah, there's a whole shit ton of ways to watch it. Uh, I have all of them. Plenty of ways. Yeah, so that'll be not a problem. But either way, uh, again, thank you so much for the pick of the week of Song City. Dean, coming back to the show. We'll see you back here next week for Blue Velvet. Yes, we will be here next week for, for Blue Velvet. I'm going to try to tip the fucking road. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Uh, and, Monkey, thank you so much for joining us. And why don't you go ahead and sign yourself off? All right, thanks for listening to tonight's episode of Talking Terror. Good night, everybody. Mm-hmm. All right. Use you, Ghoul, to go ahead and do your sign-off. Oh, yeah, you know, it's all about that blue velvet and that little boy's smile. No, stay scared, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good night. Lock stay velvet. scared, fucking...
That's right. That's black velvet. We're gonna watch blue velvet. Yeah, yeah. black velvet. You know? <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know if that has a little boy smile or not, but it might. No, blue velvet has a lot of Roy Orbison, especially in dreams, but uh, Dean Stockwell. So we'll get to that next does week. It, does, it, always, does it have titties? <clears throat> well, you'll find out. You'll find out. <laughs> Don't want to spoil the surprise. Mama. Either way, hail yourself, hail Satan, hail yourselves. Mama, mama, mama wants some. <laughs> oh, it's going to be fun, guys. <laughs> so keep America strong, watch horror movies, and we'll see you guys back here next week for David Lynch's Blue Velvet. <laughs>